This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It's April 12th, and this is Real Talk. Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks, we have a confession out of the gates this morning. Uh, John and I, with lots of excitement, fervor, enthusiasm approaching this show, walked toward one another, arms <laughs> outstretched, hands out ready for a big hand slap and high five to yeah. kick off the broadcast, and we actually missed. Swing and a miss. A swing and a miss. And we had to circle back and realize we needed a do-over because yeah. the vibe in the room was hurting, and we wondered what the implications might be for the show moving forward. Well, we both have a tinge... I wouldn't say it's real, but a little bit OCD when it comes to stuff like that. We need like if we miss a high five before a show, it's just it it it, it could say something. It's going down. It could do something. It could reside in our brains. And there's a theme here. This is the entryway to <laughs> okay. A, this is a political metaphor in a way. As Alberta's premier tells reporters yesterday that she thinks people are forgiving. Danielle Smith uh, taking questions at the Synergy Wellness Center in Sherwood Park, just outside Edmond and grilled by reporters on some of the comments that have been made by United Conservative candidates over the past couple of weeks. We've been talking about these on the show. The most recent one, obviously, the mayor of Claire's home, Alberta, also a nurse saying that she thinks that more people need to take more personal responsibility when it comes to their health, in particular, people suffering heart attacks, obese people suffering heart attacks. She says, well, maybe you need to take more personal responsibility. Now, some people are outraged. Other people are saying, yeah, sounds about right. We got into it with Charles Adler yesterday on the show. If you missed it, make sure you check that out. Uh, Danielle Smith responding to those comments, and we're going to get into it today. But as she was speaking, ladies and gentlemen, captured by intrepid an incredibly talented photographer, Jason Franson, shooting for the Canadian press. We have our image <laughs> that will no doubt be stamped onto T-shirts, placards, and of course, other political signage over the next seven weeks or so leading up to a May 29th election. For the benefit of those of you listening to this on the podcast, it is a masked and, and, uh, and, and jacket-wearing healthcare worker. We don't know who she is. We don't know what her job is, but she appears to be as she has her arms crossed, leaning against the wall, hearing the premier speaking. She appears to be flipping the premier the bird. Now, Johnny, so our assessment is fair. Do you believe there is any other interpretation for what this image is? Is showing. Oh, you know, I'm drawing back some memories to that Seinfeld episode where the waitress keeps rubbing her cheek like this when uh, she's talking to George when he's ordering the food. I don't know. It could just be like like she wasn't aware of it. But I, I tend to think this was probably done deliberately. Yeah. I think it was probably done deliberately. I'd be curious to know what conversations are sounding like at the Synergy Wellness Center this morning because mm-hmm. shows like ours are talking about it. Oh, my wife hey. sent me this photo last night I bloop, on my phone. I was laying on the couch. She's like, have you seen this? I saw a video compilation a couple of weeks ago. It was a montage of all of Paul McCartney, not all of them, but many of Paul McCartney's interviews over the years. Mm-hmm. And he had this trend. Every time he'd get a question he didn't like, he would scratch his yeah. face just under his eye with his middle finger. Looking at the reporter, looking at the journalist before he would answer the question. We're going to ask both of our guests today what they make of the image. And of course, it's it's not all about the image, but sometimes pictures are worth a thousand or or maybe a thousand thousand words. It means uh, the premier is number one. Uh, she is 
Number one, <laughs> with some voters, she is. And more rural voters than urban. Professor Lisa Young's going to join us in just a second. Uh, she's the author of the What Now Substack. We love it. And, of course, a, a longtime political scientist out of the University of Calgary. We'll then talk to veteran political columnist Licia Corbella, who's going to join us. Is, is all of this, uh, these unflattering or damaging headlines, enough to maybe knock the UCP campaign off the rails. Is this great news for the NDP or is this much ado about nothing? We're still an eternity away from Election Day on May 29th. We're talking Alberta politics today on the show and we're, we're excited to let you know that this episode of Real Talk is proudly presented by our friends at We Know Training. And we're excited to welcome them to the fold. We Know Training is the trusted partner to hundreds of organizations that operate in regulated spaces. You know, when the stakes are high and protecting the public is of utmost importance, you need a training platform that's trusted, defensible, and designed specifically for regulators. Uh, we Know Training's platform is designed to uphold rigorous privacy standards, provide learner verification, completion certificates, digital badges, they deliver high-value training that learners will retain in crucial, real-life situations. We Know Training helps associations take the stress out of training their members, and the powerful platform will streamline, scale, and automate your training without the added headcount or headache. We Know Training helps nonprofits make their vision a reality with accessible training. As a mission-driven organization with a small but passionate team, associations already know the power of education for opening minds and changing hearts. With the right tools and training platform, associations turn ideas into action, enabling them to equip their entire ecosystem at a reasonable price. You can learn more today at weknowtraining.ca. Well, everybody's got an opinion on how the latest headlines will impact this election that's not officially, but for all intents and purposes, underway in the province of Alberta. Of course, polling goes a long way in forming people's opinions. And our leadoff guest this morning has cited some of uh, noted pollster Janet Brown's numbers in the newest post on her Alberta politics newsletter. That's what now at lisayoung.substack.com. Dr. Young, a political scientist out of the University of Calgary. It's so nice to see you again. It's been a little while since our paths have crossed. It's good to see you. Yeah. Hey, what do you make of the photo? This is, uh, can I call it already, an iconic image uh, snapped <laughs> by Jason Franson, this healthcare worker with her arms folded and her finger outstretched. What do you make of it? Well, you know, it, it's a beautiful photo in the sense it's it's ever so subtle. And I saw it and I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, it, it, what a great sort of commentary on the whole situation that we're in. But, you know, then I saw something on Twitter saying, if you didn't like the people wandering around with the F. Trudeau flags, then how come you like this? And that actually gave me a pause um, because... I think we all need a, a return to sort of civil discourse um, in, in politics. And I know it's it is so hard under these circumstances, you know, with a close election coming, we've all got, you know, intense feelings about politics. But I I I wish that there were ways that people could express themselves politically that didn't involve, you know, giving someone the middle finger or 
driving around with uh, their F. Trudeau flags. Yeah, I agree with you. There's sort of a, a return to decorum, so to speak. And, and we've had these debates, I think, in political panels a number of different times. And, and the question is, uh, can, can, uh, can folks with responsible, reputable, respectable approach to campaigning actually win? Because the campaign styles that we've seen win in, in Britain, in the United States, in Canada, and other jurisdictions have, have proven to be the nasty your ones. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we're in for a few weeks of pretty nasty campaigning. Um, lots of finger pointing, you know, the two parties and party leaders calling each other liars, um, you know, trying to simplify issues into uh, sound bites that, that don't deal with the complexity of issues. I mean, that's that's much of what we're going to see for the next number of weeks um, because this is such a tightly fought race. And I think because we're in this very polarized political system um, where it, it doesn't seem that there's rewards necessarily for a party or a party leader for being moderate and acting you know, conducting themselves in the way that we were used to in mm. politics. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Smith says that the NDP is is lying or is misrepresenting uh, their approach to health care so much so that she she signed a health care guarantee yesterday, just like Jason Kenney did leading up to the election in 2019. She says that nobody's going to have to pay out of pocket. She says that everybody's going to be guaranteed access just like they have been in Alberta in past and and she had this to say as well about some of the comments, controversial ones that have been made by candidates of hers, uh, including Mayor Petrovic uh, down in Clarison. We talked about it a lot yesterday and, and the premier responded yesterday. Here's what she told reporters. Well, I'm pleased to see that the candidate you mentioned issued a statement yesterday clarifying that she could have used better language. Uh, I think we all need to make sure that Albertans have access to high quality accessible, publicly funded health care. And that's why we're here today. If people have access to uh, good doctors who can help them manage their conditions, it's going to make sure that they uh, maintain the best health possible. And that's why we have our public health care guarantee. Yeah. Uh, by the way of note, standing there in the background, ER Dr. Raj Sherman, uh, former PC minister, former leader of the Alberta Liberals, who, of course, is going to be running for the UCP in Edmonton, White Mud. Uh, can Danielle Smith convince Albertans that the UCP can be trusted on the health care file? Where do you think people are at with this? You know, it, it's it, I think that's a critically important question. And, you know, some of what we saw in Janet Brown's polling yesterday is that, uh, at least in Calgary, but I think this is probably true, certainly in Edmonton as well, that there is a strong um, dislike of, of Danielle Smith. And I think that that's grounded in part in a lack of trust. And so what she was trying to do yesterday was to insulate herself and her party from allegations that they would like to move to you know, a different style of healthcare delivery. Um, and, and because she is on the record as saying that perhaps we should need to pay for primary, primary care or some portion of primary care before she went back into politics. And so I think she has a, a, a credi personal credibility problem, um, in part because she's changed her tune, in part because of everything around the, um, the, the recording and the, you know, the, of the phone call and um, the allegations about her uh, 
office's attempts to potentially uh, influence prosecutions. And so, you know, that there's when she went out there yesterday to say it's a guarantee, trust us, the dilemma is that she is the face of that guarantee. And among a fairly substantial uh, segment of Alberta voters, there isn't a lot of trust for her personally. You think that this Arthur Pavlovsky story, this this judicial, this alleged judicial interference story, the, the investigation from uh, Alberta's ethics commissioner, Margaret Tressler, you, you think that you think that this could end up being uh, a situation, a story, uh, a, a, a reality that, that could dictate the outcome of this election? How significant do you think this story is going to be seven weeks from now? I'm not sure that people are going to go to the polls and say, I'm not going to vote UCP because I think that the premier tried to influence a prosecution. I mean, there might be some, but I don't think that that's going to be the, the bulk of voters. I do think, though, you know, one of the things that we know when we look at what determines vote choice is that perceptions of party leaders can be a very strong um, predictor of how people will vote. And and I think that the dilemma for Smith is that the Pavlovsky uh, case and the tape really adds to a narrative that she perhaps... uh, can't be trusted, that she says one thing and does another, that her story keeps changing. You know, we've certainly had her make lots of statements and then say afterward that she chose the wrong words or she misspoke. And I think that it's the accumulation of all of those things that might be of the greatest damage to her, not the the Pavlovsky tape in and of itself necessarily yeah you cited a, a twitter thread uh, from our mutual friend dr jared wesley and i think pe- people should check it out you can find him on twitter at dr jared wesley he he asserts uh, and this was a couple of weeks ago he put it out there said more than any other 10 minutes in her premiership daniel smith's call with arthur pavlovsky makes it clear she's unfit for office and 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 he outlines exactly why he thinks that number one he says the fact that she took the call in the first place uh, we, we talked about this yesterday with Adler. Adler cited Lauren Gunter and basically said, if you're a conservative political leader and you've lost Lauren Gunter or Lund- Lauren Gunter's coming at you, you've really screwed up. Um, he basically said, uh, if I can paraphrase Gunter's column, how stupid do you expect us to be here? Uh, the premier saying the reason that she took the call with Pavlovsky was because at that time, of course, he, he was he was in the midst of his brief tenure as leader of the Alberta Independence Party. She says, I thought this was just a phone call between two political party leaders. Um, obviously, I, I'm not going to talk or comment on this without listening to the full conversation. It was 11 minutes. It was an easy listen, and a very difficult and mind boggling listen at the same time. At no point in the 11 minutes, even for five seconds, do they talk politics? Do they talk about party dynamic or structure? Do they talk about congruence? Do they talk about differences? Do they talk about the election? At no point do they reference politics. Who do you think came up with that explanation? You know, it, I, I couldn't even speculate. I suspect that Smith's advisors have been telling her not to answer questions, um, not to come up with new stories. And 
you know, there was the press conference last week where they uh, said that they were sending a demand letter to the CBC and so they might be going to court so they couldn't possibly talk about it. That was meant to put an end to her commenting on it. Then she goes on her radio show and sure enough, she comments on it. And, you know, then this week we have the releasing the information that there's the ethics commissioner's uh, inquiry. And again, you know, her line is that she can't talk about it. And yesterday she was able to stick to that line. But, um, you know, Graham Thompson had a column yesterday or the day before in uh, the star where he was saying that Danielle Smith's greatest challenge in this election is Danielle Smith, that she doesn't have the the message discipline that she needs, um, that she's going to answer questions that she her advisors would prefer that she not answer. And that's how she gets herself in trouble. Uh, we're going to put some of these same questions in front of Alicia Corbello. Looking forward to that in just a moment. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Dr. Lisa Young, a political scientist out of the University of Calgary. Uh, Lisa, the author of uh, What Now? An Alberta Politics Newsletter. you got to subscribe to it. I love it. Uh, LisaYoung.substack.com. Uh, you cite these numbers. You published this just yesterday. Janet's numbers, uh, Janet Brown out of Calgary. And, and this is really interesting because people like you and me on shows like this have been talking about how Calgary's the battleground and been pointing out that all of the, the the premier's key players are down in Calgary, that the NDP's key players and strategists are down in Calgary, that for the most part, NDP MLAs uh, and, and likely cabinet members, were they to form government that are out of Edmonton, are down in Calgary, uh, unless they've got a hotly contested riding here in Edmonton. But here's the rub. As you write about, looks like Rachel Notley could make Huge gains in Calgary. I might even argue unexpected gains in Calgary and still lose. Take us into this. Well, yeah, the math of this is pretty remarkable. So we've all been, you know, everyone who's following this really closely has been hoping for a Calgary only poll so that we could, uh, you know, say with some certainty what the numbers actually looked like in Calgary. And what Janet found was, you know, it's a 47% for the NDP and 42% for the UCP. And when you apply that to, you know, the ways that votes have have uh, been cast in the past, what you find is that it's probably enough for the NDP to win about 18 seats. And so if you do the math, then you get 18 seats in Calgary, you get 20 seats in Edmonton, that gets you to 38, but you need 44. Now, you can probably get a couple in Lethbridge. Um, so, you're, you know, the NDP is then at 40 but still a little ways away. Now, there might be some in the so-called Edmonton Donut. Um, you know, the swings that we're seeing in Calgary might equally be found in, uh, you know, suburbs beyond uh, Edmonton, but it's it's really hard to know. Um, so what it looks like right now, and, you know, we're still a number of weeks out, the campaign is going to happen, people are going to tune in, is that whoever wins, it's going to be really close. But the most likely outcome at this point is a very narrow UCP win. Um, and it's it would be exactly the win that Danielle Smith talked about back in October of last year when she was talking to Rick Bell. And she said, sure, I've got a path to winning. I win all of rural Alberta and I win 
enough seats in Calgary, those, you know, South Calgary seats, the southeast of Calgary. Um, and that will get me over the bar. Um, it'll get her 45, 46 seats. Um, it's a narrow win, but it's a win. So, you know, polls aren't everything. The campaign hasn't happened yet, but it is certainly, you know, a possibility at this point. So if you're Rachel Notley and you're looking at these numbers, I mean, on one hand, I guess in a way you've, you've, you've got to be encouraged by what you're seeing down in Calgary. I mean, the polling is, is I mean, from an NDP perspective, it's quite encouraging. Um, and, and I think a lot of people would be surprised to see what Cal Calgarians are telling Janet Brown. And I know, let me just say this, a real uh, quick caveat. I think it's important. A lot of people will say, well, polling. I mean, polling's bullshit. Nobody knows. You can't trust polling. Polling's only ever worth the paper it's written on. Janet's track record, especially when it comes to leading up to elections, is is pretty bang on. Like, she is a, re a reputable and widely respected pollster across the country. And I think people look at her numbers a little bit differently than they would at, at some other outliers. Uh, I'm looking at Main Street as an example that's come up with some really bizarre takes in the last little while. But if you're Rachel Notley or her team of advisors how are you processing this are you are you adjusting your campaign strategy are you trying to reach out more to rural areas or some of those just lost causes though you'd never admit it publicly um I, well <laughs> you know i'm not a political strategist but it seems to me that first of all they can't take their foot off the the pedal in calgary right these are some of these seats that it looks like they could win are going to be narrow wins and they're going to have to get out the vote um, because if you're only going to win by one or two percent, turnout is going to be everything. And we know that um, one of the groups that's more likely to support the NDP is younger voters, and they're also less likely to vote. So you, you can't take your focus off of those Calgary seats. Um, but then you need to do something else as well. And there, I think they're probably looking very carefully at where they might be able to win. They hold one of the two seats in Lethbridge. I think they're going to work really hard on getting the other one. Um, is it possible that they can make inroads in some of the smaller centers like Red Deer? Possible. Um, I think they're looking very carefully at some of the, uh, the, the seats outside of Edmonton to see where they could have a win. And then there might, you know, who knows, there could be some peculiar results somewhere, right? Um, Livingstone McLeod, which you talked about yesterday, th there's been a lot of, uh, you know, um, activity in that riding. You've got a take back Alberta candidate. You know, it, you've got a, a fairly high profile NDP candidate. Could it be an unexpected win? I have no clue, but they're probably doing polling that would tell them whether that's a possibility or not. And, you know, we have to keep in mind that neither of the parties are relying on Janet Brown's public polling. They're doing their own as well. A hundred percent for for the average person that's not always in the weeds with with us. Uh, we'll just let them know. Take back Alberta. Correct me on any front if I'm wrong about this, uh, Dr. Young. It's it's I don't know if it's a pack, but it's a group anyway uh, that, that is through uh, legitimate uh, democratic function. They're not breaking any laws. They're not they're not doing anything 
illegal, uh, but the, but they're the, the ground and pound game at the grassroots. They're they're taking over boards of constituency associations. They've essentially taken over the board of the United Conservative Party. It's 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 more of a a right wing entity. It's certainly a type of conservatism, and I think a lot of the so called mainstream conservatives are are raising eyebrows right now, wondering what kind of a stamp it's going to put on the party moving forward. Uh, if we could, before we let you go, Doc, I'd, I'd love to get into your piece, your post, again, at lisayoung.substack.com from a couple of weeks ago. You published this on March 31st, Exit, Voice, or Loyalty. You're talking about Albert Hirschman's classic book. We've got a lot of conservatives, small C conservatives that listen to and watch this show, and I know a lot of them are trying to figure out what their play is with this party moving forward, whether or not they have a home in this party. Uh, can you take us into Exit, Voice, or Loyalty? Sure. So this is, uh, you know, an economist, Hirschman, um, but political scientists have, uh, you know, adopted this uh, as their own. And it's it's a really handy way for thinking, you know, in the context of any organization, whether it's a political party or, you know, a company where you're employed. If you don't like how things are going, what are your choices? And the, the choices that are available are basically, you know, as the title says, exit voice and loyalty. So exiting means packing your bags and going, quitting that job and moving on to something else. Or in the case of a political party, just saying, no, that's not for me anymore. I'm, I'm supporting the other guys um, or I'm not going to participate at all. Um, Voice means trying to have an influence. Um, so getting more involved, articulating your concerns, trying to sway people to your point of view, trying to maybe organize inside a political party to, you know, bring back moderates in the context that we're talking about. Um, and loyalty is you know, sort of saying, well, no, my party, you know, it's my party and I'll be loyal. Um, and and so those are really the the choices that face, you know, activists in the, the party right now, in the Conservative Party, um, and, and also voters. And, you know, I think it is a real dilemma, particularly for people who've been strong party supporters or who've been very involved in the party who don't see themselves reflected at all or or don't feel any real affinity to the other party what do you do mm. um but when we think about it in in the context you know of people who are seeing their party doing things that are outside the the bounds of politics and i wrote this you know just after the the release of the recording with uh pavlovsky um you know loyalty would be really hard um, under those circumstances. It's basically saying that this behavior is okay. Voice is is difficult, particularly in the weeks going into an election uh, up to an election. Um, there's not a lot of room in the party. it's it's not like the party is necessarily going to change direction. It's certainly not going to change leaders uh, you know in the advance of an election. So what you're left with then is is exit. and facing the idea that you know maybe my party needs some time in the penalty box to think about, you know, what it is and and who it represents. And I suspect for, you know, some centrist conservatives, some of the conservative establishment, that that may in fact be the choice that they sort of see the only way to get this party back on track is to send it into opposition. Um, now, is that going to happen? 
<laughs> we just talked about it, not necessarily. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a real dilemma. And there's, you know, there's lots of people who are, um, you know, really politically engaged, want to make Alberta a better place, you know, have ideas about it, have been deeply committed to the conservative movement and and sort of feel themselves to be abandoned by the party in its current uh, formation. And I, I really feel for them. It's a real dilemma. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not necessarily predicting either of these things, but I will say if you've got people stuck in that kind of loyalty voice territory where they're feeling uncomfortable, I think it could prompt a lot of people to just stay home. Uh, maybe you see fewer lawn signs. Maybe you see a lower voter turnout, which isn't good uh, for the conservatives. And, and I don't think it's good for democracy, for that matter. And let's also point out that it is possible for a leader to win an election and ultimately lose their leadership. Right. I mean, if you squeak out a win as a conservative premier in Alberta, it doesn't say much for your longer term prospects leading that party. Fair comment. Well, yes and no. Um Squeaking out a win would normally not be seen as good enough, but we've just talked about the internal dynamics of, of the UCP right now. And I suspect that as long as Danielle Smith is, is willing to see herself as accountable to take back Alberta and, and the views that they express, she would be secure in her caucus um, and think about what that caucus is going to look like. It's going to be predominantly uh, rural MLAs. It's going to be um, lots of MLAs who owe their uh, nomination to Take Back Alberta, who who share views with Take Back Alberta. So th there, you know, I, I think Smith might well be secure um, under those circumstances, the dilemma, of course, for her will be that four years after that, there's going to be an election. And I don't think that any of the polarization and the anger that that's present in Alberta politics is going to go away in in the meantime. And in fact, if you're trying to govern Alberta with very few seats and, and no grounding in either of the major cities, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult. So you know, we're in for, I think, a very difficult period. And, I, I, you know, this goes the other way as well. For the end, if the NDP were to win, it would be without seats in rural Alberta. And that sets in, in play a whole other set of troublesome dynamics as well. Totally. I think no matter who wins, we're in trouble. Why? Oh, great. That's the clip. No matter who wins, we're in trouble. Dr. Lisa Young on Real Talk, April 12th. But, I mean, you think about it, I mean, you've got, let's say that the UCP forms government with barely any elected MLAs in cities, then you've got a rural cabinet, you've already got a strained relationship between the province and the cities, probably more so between the provincial government and Edmonton than Calgary as well, but you've got two progressive mayors, you've got, I mean, it, it would really be let me just say this. It would be great for people writing political newsletters and hosting political talk shows. We can all agree on that. Dr. Lisa Young is the author of What Now? An Alberta Politics Newsletter. You can subscribe just like we did at lisayoung.substack.com and you can follow her on Twitter at jlisayoung. It's always so good to connect with you. Thanks for making time for us today. 
happy to be here. Yeah, you bet. Uh, I mean, uh, we've got a lot of comments coming in on the live chat as well. It's great to see so many of you. By the way, shout out to Anna, who chimed in, says she just moved to Kelowna, still a regular real talker. Oh, it's, she'll be back. It's great to have Anna, <laughs> just like you, eh? No, I, I saw they retired, so yeah. they're probably out there for good. Oh, but. congratulations, Anna. Beautiful spot, and it's great to have you still here with us. You know, I'm, I'm seeing some of the comments here. Some of you are saying, like, listen, there would have to be an absolutely catastrophic meltdown. Uh, this was Corey, who says the UCB would have to do something catastrophic during the campaign to throw itself back into opposition. Corey, to be honest with you, I'm inclined to agree. Tara Lynn says the NDP has a, a PR problem, public relations problem. Instead of the attack and defend model, they need to be loud about what they accomplished in their short time in office, much of which was undone by the United Conservatives and, and trickle backs for votes. I think our next guest will have something to say about that, about whether or not Rachel Notley can campaign on her record. I don't know if she can. It was a tough four years, economically and otherwise. Can she? We'll ask Leisha Corbella. And by the way, I fact-checked myself on something. It might be a small thing, but I want you to have confidence in the show. I was talking about Dr. Raj Sherman. I said former PC cabinet minister and former Alberta liberal leader. And as it came out of my mouth, I thought... Was he a cabinet minister? Turns out he was parliamentary assistant to the then health minister, the minister of health and wellness, who was Ron Leipert. That's Dr. Raj Sherman, who's seeking, uh, he's hoping to win in Edmonton White Mud. And of course, he's going up against a strong NDP. Uh, at, uh, what do you say? I mean, she's the incumbent, Rocky Pancholi. She'll be a tough one to beat, but we'll see how that plays out. You can let us know what you think about all this. Alyssa's talking about the city of Medicine Hat. I mean, everybody's got their eye on different ridings medicine hat you wouldn't necessarily categorize it as rural but it's a smaller municipality Alyssa says i wish it was its own seat the city went full ndp for the by-election but gets lost in all those rural votes and then of course brooks as well now this is where the premier has her seat it's where barry morishita is going to run the leader of the alberta party but you'll remember and i love barry to death but he finished third in that by-election the former mayor there in in that city of brooks uh of course the ndp candidate they're finishing second so there's a lot of stuff to keep an eye on and of course we'll do our best to keep you in the loop Leisha Corbella coming up in just a second Johnny can you load up that incredible video that California closets installation at the car show I'll describe this for the podcast you know we talk a lot about California closets what they can do in your bedrooms in your living rooms and how they can transform provide storage solutions for you in your home but what about your garage uh, check this out uh, this is well, I don't even know what this is this looks to me is that like a Mustang boss it's like a Cobra something like that this looks to me to be about a quarter million dollar hot rod beautifully restored well they're showing it at an exhibition i think this was down in calgary a few days ago and the owners of the vehicle turned to california closets because they wanted to have this hot rod showcased in the best possible situation your garage could look the exact same way look at this flooring it snaps together absolutely beautiful rugged durable everything you would expect for a garage installation california closets is about so much more than just bedrooms living areas you know you can check out their storage solutions across and throughout your home oh and by the way the consultation with the team at california closets is free and they're hiring Whatever we're saying that's connecting with you, you can learn more about it today at californiaclosets.ca. If you're one of the real talkers that's looking at reinventing yourself in 2023, you're looking for a fresh start, new opportunities, that could start today with Athabasca University. Take your education to the next level. 
Athabasca U is Canada's anyone, anywhere, anytime open university for advanced learning. AU is sure to have something that meets your needs, your ambition, and fits your lifestyle. You can get a Canadian education online with Athabasca University no matter where you live with online programs and courses that offer the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. Check them out today. Get the application process started at AthabascaU.ca. You know, Johnny, sometimes I'm scrolling on Instagram and I see something that stops me in my tracks. That's what happened yesterday when I was checking out the Dairy Queen Baseline account. Everybody, say hello to Churro Dipped Cones. Yeah, that's right. The Churro Dipped Cone. You will only find it at DQ. It's brand new. A churro flavored cone coating topped with cinnamon sugar all coated on their world famous soft serve you'll only find it at dq and we recommend you visit the dairy queens in palisades nemeo newcastle westmount and baseline road that's the dairy queens of northwest edmonton and sherwood park proud partners of real talk and speaking of people friends Sponsors and partners who are hiring, same deal with Kubi Renewable Energy. If you're an electrician, if you're earning your ticket, or if you've already got it and you're looking for a change of pace, Kubi Energy is heading into its busiest season, and it is all hands on deck. You can check out the careers link at kubienergy.ca. Help them grow clean energy in Canada. And we're also really excited to announce we're so proud of this team. They're partnering with Women Building Futures. It's an amazing program that provides opportunities for women to explore different aspects and areas of the trade so they can find their areas of interest for specialization as well as obtain hands-on experience and knowledge. Uh, Women Building Futures specifically offers support for unemployed or underemployed women in connecting to careers that pay well beyond the living wage. You can learn more about career opportunities today, right now as a matter of fact, at kubienergy.ca. Well, it was just a few weeks ago, I had an opportunity, thanks to the Alberta Chambers of Commerce, to spend some time chatting with our next guest. You'll recognize her name as a longtime columnist out of the city of Calgary. And uh, of course, we're happy to have her joining us here this morning, Licia Corbella, our guest. It's nice to see your face again. That was a lot of fun a few weeks ago. That was, yeah, absolutely, Ryan. Yeah, you came you came out of the gates guns blazing, and I loved it. That makes for the best political conversations, and it fits in perfectly with a comment that we just had on our live chat on YouTube. Somebody says, Rachel Notley needs to forget about the answering back and clapping back at Danielle Smith. Instead, she needs to campaign on her record and her performance as Premier from 2015 to 2019. Your initial assertion at that Chamber event a couple of weeks ago was, no way in hell she can do that. Yeah, Rachel Notley cannot run on her record because her record was a disaster. And Albertans will be loath to forget that because if um, they don't remember what it was like when Rachel Notley was premier, they will very quickly remember because she sends out all the wrong messages to business communities. So, for instance, um, Rachel Notley was premier when the the um, Trudeau Liberals brought in Bill C-48 and Bill C-69, and she said nothing 
like, okay, nothing for months while that was going through all the process. She didn't go to Ottawa and talk about it until it was at the 11th hour in front of the Senate. People need to remember that. These are bills that were devastating for Alberta's um, uh, economy. Listen, try to find, Ryan, a premier throughout Canada's long history who are opposed to the main industry of their province. You cannot find it except here in Alberta with Rachel Notley. She's the only one. I've, I've literally done the, the thing, you know, you go to the Maritimes, nobody's against fishing. Um, you go to Ontario, nobody's against manufacturing. I mean, you know, it, it just goes on and on and on. Can you imagine a premier in uh, Ontario standing up and saying, you know, we're going to shut down the auto pact because we are concerned about climate change? It just wouldn't happen. So, and so, you know, yeah, you need it. You need a premier who supports your main industry because the person who cuts your hair relies on that. The person who serves you coffee in the morning relies on that. It's not just the oil patch. So if you are writing a column today, I mean, it's yeah. it's like you've got you've got the the attack on Notley would be that she's not as business friendly as the business community would hope. And the attack on Smith would be that people aren't sure they can trust her on health care. You think that that's what these themes are going to come down to? Is it going to be the economy versus the, the social supports or or health care or some of those resources people hold dear? Yeah, well, I think that's what um, Rachel Notley's trying to do is she's trying to make it sound like Ra uh, Daniel Smith is going to attack healthcare and do the rest of it. I think she's proven that she's not going to do that. Um, one of the things that um, people don't remember again about Rachel Notley is, yeah, she sort of mentioned that she was going to do a royalty review um, when she was campaigning to be premier. But it was really like it was when she was directly asked. It wasn't in her in her literature, right? So um, then she comes into office and she does bring forward a royalty review. Now, the problem with that is Ed Stilmeck had done that, and it was a disaster. And so then Rachel Notley comes in and says. Oh, you know, after they come back with the royalty review panel um, report, she she basically says, oh, now's not the time for uh, uh, for us to change the royalties because the prices aren't high enough. Once the prices reach a certain threshold, then we would bring one back in. Well, guess what? Um, we're at that area. Nobody's asking her that question. What are you going to do? Are you going to do another royalty review and chase away our oil and gas? One of the things a lot of people, even Albertans, don't realize, oil and gas industry is very mobile. When you say it will chase away the oil and gas industry, people think, oh, well, they can't move. I mean, you know, they're dug into the ground. Well, no, a well gets depleted and then they have to move the well and dig somewhere else and they'll just as easily go and dig in the u.s they don't have to stay in alberta 
Kathy's watching us right now. Uh, Kathy's on our YouTube live chat. She says, hey, Leisha. She says, Rachel Notley's also the only Alberta premier that's got us a pipeline in recent memory. Do you have to give her credit for that? Oh, absolutely not. Rachel Notley, um, Northern Gateway had been approved by the Harper Conservatives. Okay, Northern Gateway. Can you imagine if we had an LNG pipeline now? The world is desperate for liquefied natural gas. And um, and we could have had that because they you know, can easily be transformed. Well, except the courts think, said no. The courts said no to Northern Gateway. No, the court the courts the courts were actually Northern Gateway was further ahead than Trans Mountain is now. Yeah. In the process, okay, like now they're digging, but th- th- there was one little component that the court says you need to fix this, and then Trudeau, because he'd promised this, just unilaterally killed Northern Gateway, and he knew he was going to get no pushback from Rachel Notley because she'd said so. <laughs> she said, "Yeah, we don't want Northern Gateway. We don't want Energy East. Energy East exists. It's a pipeline that goes from Alberta." Well, from from the east to to the west, we were just going to move it. We were going to change the pumps and then build a little, small, little section. And she was opposed to that. I mean, like, I I can't even believe people in Calgary would consider voting for this woman. So what are you making? What are you making of these numbers? I mean, uh, numbers don't lie. Janet Brown's a reputable pollster. You've been well familiar with her work. It shows that Nolly's going to make big inroads in your hometown. Oh, I know. And, and you know, it's pretty scary. I mean, let's face it, Alberta has one. I mean, Calgary has one third of the seats in the Alberta legislature. This is battleground primo. This is number one, right? Like you want to win Calgary. And um, so 26 of the seats, it looks like the NDs will win 18 of those. Look at when Rachel Notley won the election in 2015, she only won 15 of the seats in Calgary. So, um, you know, it's it's looking pretty scary um, for those who remember, who have a memory about what it was like to live under an NDP government. It was not pretty. Businesses fled Alberta, fled Alberta. She is not, this is not, this is not voting well for, for Alberta if the NDs get in. Look, at, I know a lot of people for whatever reason don't like Danielle, but the, um, the, the issue is, is that um, they're, they're viewed as the stable alternative, the, the UCP is, not the NDs. The NDs will chase away business. And so, um yeah, I, I just I, I can't believe that people have such short memories. Really, you're you're, you're talking. You you said about five minutes ago. You said you know Rachel Notley's basically, and I'm paraphrasing you, Alicia. Correct me if you like, but you you said basically Rachel Notley's trying to convince people uh, that Daniel Smith can't be trusted with health care. I mean, people are just going to the tape. Right. People are people are going to, you know, Danielle on her podcast before she was leader of the UCP saying, should the government pay for the visit to your family doctor? When you hear who is now a premier musing like that and it's not an eternity ago, you start to say, well, hang on a second. What does that mean for me? And and then you've got some candidates talking about like the mayor out of uh, Claire's home, talking about people taking more personal accountability, accountability for heart attacks. And Danielle had her flare up last June talking about stage four cancer patients, you know, basically whether or not they should should have caught it earlier 
why should people trust Danielle Smith on healthcare? Well, you know, look, Ryan, you're a radio, you're a, you're a talk show guy, right? Yeah. You, you postulate questions that aren't necessarily your position, right? So I think you have to say, okay, talk show Danielle Smith is not premier Danielle Smith. And we get that, right? Um, and, and so you, she, she's throwing out a question to get people to call in and talk about it when you're a talk show host, right? I, I mean, I think, uh, I think it's very dishonest for the, um, for, for the NDs to use things that she said on a talk show um, as, as her policy, as her potential Ooh, policy. I it's mean, just- I get the point. I get the point you're getting at. Um, and, and, and having walked miles and miles in those exact same shoes, I know that if I were to put myself up as a political candidate, which I would never do, uh, (laughs) I know that people would have a ton of material to put in front of me for me to answer to. And quite frankly, that's one of the reasons why I would never run for politics. But the fact of the matter is it's still your mouth saying the words that your brain put together and you put it on the record. And that's why people expect you to be held accountable. Yeah. And, you know, I I think that candidates, uh, McLeod candidate uh, talking about people, you know, being held accountable for their heart attacks. I mean, come on. (laughs) She opens her comments by saying, I know this is political suicide, but uh, that's a very strange angle to take when you're campaigning. Yeah. Never say that. (laughs) Not a good idea. So, so, so we've got Lauren Gunter. So you, I mean, you, it's fair to call you a conservative columnist. I mean, for many years, you wrote your column, obviously, and, and, and alongside people like Rick Bell and Lauren Gunter. And, and, and we've, we've talked to Rick recently. And of course he calls spades spades. And yesterday, Lauren Gunter essentially asked uh, the premier by way of his column, how stupid she thinks we are in her explanation of talking with Archer Pavlovsky. If you were writing your column today, what angle would you be taking, assuming you were writing about Alberta politics right now? What's catching your eye? What's the storyline you'd be following? Yeah, so I would, um, uh, you know, I would remind people about what the NDP government was like, how they cannot and do not run on their record. In fact, when Rachel Notley was fighting for her job and Jason Kenney was coming up the pipe with the UCP, she sounded like the opposition um, party and he sounded like the government because she couldn't run on her record. He was running on, this is what we'll do. Rachel Notley could not because her record was terrible. And I would just remind people of that. Now, having said that about the Artur Pawlowski thing, you know, people have said, oh, this is like Casey Maddow and Casey Maddow ended up getting, you know, thrown out um, uh, from the justice uh, ministry. You're talking when he called the police chief to try to get out of the speeding ticket or the distracted driving ticket. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was about his own issue. Yeah, but he was the justice minister. Yeah, I mean, it's absurd. He shouldn't have done that. Yeah, okay, good, we agree. Danielle calling this, you know, pastor um, who, let's face it, he's pretty volatile. And um, so she called him probably to calm him down. I don't know, or he called her. I don't know how that all worked out, but I just don't see this as a huge issue. 
you think that the premier should be calling somebody a couple of weeks before their trial relating to Coots border blockade where guns were seized? You don't honestly think that's a good look for the premier. No, it's not a good look, but I think that um, in light of the fact that she made promises with regard to, she shouldn't have made those promises, but she made promises with regards to prosecutions based on vaccine status. Yeah. That's what she made promises on. And I think she wanted to make it at least look like she was trying to follow through on that. You know, talking to her justice minister is not a bad thing. Like, that's just normal, right? Yeah. Talking to the I've got I've got no problem with her talking to her justice minister. That's a normal thing that a premier should do. Uh, obviously, yeah. she claims and she's threatening, as you know, a defamation suit aimed at the CBC uh, for them asserting that she talked to crown prosecutors now that would be a huge issue and i do think that it's uh i do think it's a thing for her to be talking to archer pavlovsky i commented on it people can check out our tiktok the thing to me the thing that struck me most and jared wesley writes about this a little bit in his twitter thread we referenced earlier is that she comes across kind of capitulating she comes across like apologetic she comes across as though she's working for pavlovsky and i said to our audience you go ahead and try to get 11 minutes on the phone with the premier of any province and good luck to you because it doesn't happen i can tell you that yeah yeah no i'm you know it, it was sort of surprising I, I i think that yeah i don't know i i don't know why she did um I think he got through to her. Wasn't that how it went? Well, so this was this, uh, there's this kind of, and I don't know all the backstory and I don't know the guy's name, but basically there's, there's, I think he's out of Calgary. He's like a former surgeon. He's not licensed anymore, but this is one of the guys that sort of signed on to that great Barrington declaration, sort of the, the idea of the group immunity or whatever i mean i feel like my mind has taken me past that right now but it's the the barrington thing has been a widely debunked theory this guy was a proponent of that that is how he caught daniel smith's attention i think a number of months ago i think that they had had correspondence and it sounds to me like and again this is what i've heard this is speculation uh, nobody sue me uh, but i'm pretty sure that he's the one that set up the call between the premier and pavlovsky uh, you can hear at the end of the call at the end of the 11 minutes he says uh, daniel please stay on the line he says there's a few things i'd like to discuss yeah 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 so yeah you know i just i i just don't think that like that whole call really didn't bother me whether or not it's easy to get 11 minutes with her or not i mean i i agree with you it's probably pretty tough um but having said that i think that um that arthur Pulaski represents a constituency of people through that whole pandemic time um and if she can appease him she appeases a whole group of people and i think that was probably what was running through her mind 100 percent. hey alicia let me alicia corbell our guest if you're just joining us on the mixler live streaming audio app let me ask you this you, you talked about the, the royalty review and I've always wondered, I do not disagree with you at all. It is a, it, it's a politically, it's, it's a deficit. It's, it's, it's maybe second only to talking about a provincial sales tax in Alberta when you're talking about damaging moves that a premier can pull. And it's happened yeah. on, on uh, with both parties. Ed Stelmack did it and he paid the price. And then Rachel Notley's talking about it. But, but if you actually look at it, like, and let me put it in the words of an audience member, Dwayne, who's watching right now, he says, please ask Ms. Corbella why Peter Lougheed was able to get the correct or the right 
oil royalty rates for Alberta and didn't back down. Oil companies never threatened to leave Alberta when Lougheed was premier. If you look at it from a business standpoint, and I know that conservatives fancy themselves as, as the, the, the more business thinking or the more business forward party, if you run your own business, uh, one of the keys to success is in short, is going through your books, is evaluating your professional and corporate relationships, is ensuring that you're getting the best possible deal for the resources that you have or for the efforts that you're putting in. Why do you think, what is your opinion with regards, I mean, I understand people say what creates uncertainty and it can cause investment to flee, but with regards to, to, to a royalty review, essentially what it is, is a premier or a government taking a look and ensuring the population, that the people, that the province is getting its best possible deal for its resources. Why do you think it's so contentious? Well, it's contentious because it's destabilizing. And in light of the fact that Alberta has troubles getting its product to market because we don't have enough pipelines, we don't have, um, you know, pipelines to Tidewater, we sell our oil at a discount to begin with. And so if you start messing with that, that you know, um, mathematical equation, if you will, um, people will just say, there's no upside here. They're going to start messing with things, changing things around. I have no certainty. These people plan two years in advance. So all of a sudden, you, you, you change the rules. And look at Peter Lougheed, he was so credible. He would he could he could put things in a way and that people would believe that once he messed with it and changed it, it would stay stable, mm. which is what he said. And so um, I don't think people believe that of Rachel Notley. I think, you know, the, the, do you think her, people believe that of Daniel Smith? Yeah, I don't think that they think that she'll she'll mess with um you know the 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 goose that laid the golden egg. I mean, uh yeah, maybe not. not. I mean, that. there's talk about the Alberta pension, right? I mean, I think that that's a big one. I was I was hanging out with a firefighter just the other day. He says I'm probably going to vote conservative. He says I'm probably going to vote for Danielle Smith. He says, but she better keep her hands off my pension. That's a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, and so people don't realize that if you've paid into CPP, you get your CPP. Period. That's how it works, right? Like you own the CPP. It's not a taxpayer thing, right? So employers and and um, employees pay into the CPP. So nobody can take your CPP away. It would be like starting the CPP fresh, like what Quebec did. Quebec right at the beginning said, instead of letting the federal government run the CPP, we're gonna have a Quebec pension plan. It's the exact same thing, except it's administered by Quebecers for Quebecers. So, you know, I find it sort of interesting how frightened everybody is about something like that. Well, because like, it's their pension, right? And, and I'm not it's sure. Their I, pension, it's not going anywhere. But you might you might know more than me about this. I'm not sure. All I know is that at this point, and, and I'll, I'll school up, I'll level up on this so I better understand the implications here. We'll do a segment or two on it. But I've yeah. seen economists writing about how contentious this could get if Alberta does move forward. They're talking about a withdrawal, how the process would work is Alberta withdrawing tens mm -hmm. of billions of dollars from CPP to establish its own pension plan. So it's not like you're still locked into CPP if you want to stay there. I mean, if you're out, you're out. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, uh, Ryan, I, I don't know 100% how it would work. But my understanding is, is that you opt in or you opt out and you can stay with the CPP. But newcomers into the system would have to go into the Alberta pension plan. I'd be curious and to see how many people you- would opt out or stay into CPP. That'd be fascinating to see. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I think that, um, look, Alberta sends, well, it doesn't send, but it's automatic. But there was a time and, and for like 20 years, Alberta was the only net contributor to confederation. The only net contributor to confederation to the tune of 20 billion a year was Alberta. Why wouldn't we have confidence in that now having said that you know what i i don't think that they're probably going to end up doing it the the pension plan thing it's part of that whole alberta agenda i believe that the alberta agenda as they call it now the sovereignty act it strengthens alberta's position in confederation it's why quebec will not separate it already has everything it could possibly get Quebec isn't separating because it already has its pension plan, its own police service. It handles its own um, immigration. So those are the kinds of things that um, have people look in Quebec and they, you know, they're, they're heading before a referendum and they go, well, what would we gain? Nothing. Yeah. And I think that in some ways, this is the, the, the pressure release valve for Albertans who have that separatist tendency. I, you know, I'm a Canadian first and an Albertan second, right? And so um, for me, that whole Alberta agenda that first was brought up by, you know, people like Stephen Harper and Ken Bosenkul and yeah. Rainer Knopf and Tom Flanagan, all, all those guys. people, all those heavy thinkers. That was done to strengthen Alberta's place in Confederation, to, to give us you know, a stronger position in confederation so that the feds can will stop thinking they can take advantage of Alberta. And I think that um, certainly police service, look at, you know, th- there was that recent report, uh, I think it was April 4th, uh, that came out of Nova Scotia on um, the, the the mass casualty in Nova Scotia. We talked about it yesterday. What a disaster the, uh, the RCMP were there poorly trained you know when you want to complain in alberta about your service from the rcmp you call ottawa Mm. (laughs) why would anyone want that like these rural folks say oh well you know we we love the rcmp yeah they're good people i get it but they move every five years they get moved away or something like that you know it makes a lot more sense to have your own police service who actually knows what community you live in yeah i think that first of all i think that these are and i'm not saying you're putting the two together in bed but but i think that an alberta pension plan and an alberta police service are two completely different conversations and if people want to hear more i mean you know grand prairie mayor jackie clayton uh, can I say she's one of the sharpest knives in the drawer? I mean, she knows what she's talking about. And and, and she and Councillor Dylan Bressy joined us. What was it, Johnny? I guess about a few weeks ago talking about mm-hmm. the city of Grand Prairie voted eight to one in favor of establishing. Now, it's not a provincial police service, uh, but they voted to move on from the RCMP and establish a Grand Prairie police service. The province has freed up about nine million bucks for them to do it. 
And they're saying this is not a shot at the RCMP. They said we're just going to be better served with something that's more locally administrated. Um, and they're expecting a lot of RCMP members are going to apply, as you might expect. You know, they've got families are raising their kids in Grand Prairie. They love the city. They love the community. They expect that they're going to have a lot of applicants, existing police officers from the RCMP coming over to the Grand Prairie Police Service. So I think it's it's completely different conversations, but it'll be interesting uh, to see how it plays out. We're about to see a big ramping up of uh, a lot more of this type of conversation over the next seven weeks, Leisha, and I'm so grateful that you've made time to talk to us. You've lit a fire under a few people. To say <laughs> the very least, you did it for years with your political column. It's nice yeah. to see your face again. Hey, thanks for making time for us today. Thanks, Ryan. Always a pleasure to chat with you. You do such a great job. I love your show. Thank you. That really means a lot. I appreciate it. You can give Leisha a follow on Twitter at Leisha Corbella. Uh, I see MS2020 on the chat says, we don't send checks to the feds. We send payroll taxes to the CRA. Alberta has its own corporate tax division. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of talk about, about about how this all plays out and equalization. And, and obviously, you know, people get all fired up in talking about that. You know, I will say that for a number of years and including up to present day, Alberta pays more into CPP than it draws out. Alberta is a younger province with a younger workforce. Like there are some compelling reasons if you want to make an argument i said this to my my firefighter buddy the same guy the same conversation a few days ago i said it i, I feel like and i don't mean to come across as disingenuous uh, i don't mean to be the, the type of tacos that's talking out of both sides of his mouth but i said i do feel like this is the type of thing uh that i could argue both sides of you know an alberta pension plan or staying with cpp but the more money managers i talk to uh, the more people who are way smarter than me uh, when it comes to the big picture on all of this have, have, have seemed a little bit hesitant and may I even say a little bit queasy when you start talking about Alberta pulling out of the Canada pension plan. If you're going to do something dramatic like that, if you're going to do something big like that and you're talking about, I mean, it's different if you're 21, 22, 25, 29, 33 years old, right? If you're 58 or 64 or 75 you're going to feel a whole lot different about how stable you would like your pension to be, right? I mean, this is your pension. This is your nest egg. This is your retirement. This is your financial security, or at least a big chunk of it or a part of it, right? Uh, let us know what you think about this. You can send us an email anytime to talk <laughs> at ryanjesperson.com. I think people have been letting us know how they feel on the chat. I, it's I just fired saw, up today. It's so I good to see Jillian wait. on the chat. She was just throwing in emojis of popcorn buckets, yeah. which was good. I can't wait for trash talk this week. I have a oh, feeling we'll there'll be a, a few one. emails about our yeah, last guest. Trash talk. That's right. Yeah, That's hey, Johnny. Johnny, who is it again that presents? Strong? I think it's is local it, environmental. You know what? You're right. It is local environmental that presents trash talk every single Friday. Day. We're going to get to more of your comments, by the way, on what we just talked about. We're not moving on, but I did see an opportunity. I did see a window there to, to mention our good friends at local environmental services. So why go local? You know, some people are saying it's only garbage. Yeah, it's garbage. It's recycling. I mean, what, whatever. We've got a company that handles it for our restaurant or for our retail location or for our municipality. You know what's free but, but really expensive to waste? Air. 
Local Waste works with you as a client to ensure that your container size and that your service schedule is always right. In other words, if you're a small business, you don't need a big, huge bin. You don't need them there every three days. You're going to pay more for that, more than you need to. Local Environmental helps their customers grow in managed strategic fashion, helping you even through challenging times. They're never going to surcharge you for making changes. You're never going to be forced into a new contract just because your needs change. It's all part of dealing with the family-owned business that is local environmental services. Also, big shout out to our friends at Friesen Brothers. And of course, this is of note most especially to our Ukrainian friends at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com. You can learn more about their Ukrainian-inspired Easter dinner. Uh, That's coming up this weekend, April 15th and 16th. Friesen Brothers is going to host a Ukrainian-inspired Easter celebration at all of their fresh market stores. This is a feast for family and friends to enjoy traditional Ukrainian all-you-can-eat festive foods. They've got that carved gammon ham. Incredible. The Ukrainian sausage and a whole bunch of sides, including pierogies, cabbage rolls, their world-famous hot cross buns, and a whole lot more. Plus, special Easter bite-sized cold cuts, deli meats, cheese, fruits, and even traditional Easter deviled eggs. All of this, 30 bucks a person. You can learn more at Friesen.com slash Easter dinner. Also wanted to mention something before we get to more of your comments on this. You know, we're talking a lot as we talk more about elections and budgets and, and household incomes. We're always trying to find ways to to reward you for listening to or watching Real Talk. Uh, Shouts out exclusive deals and promotions and that includes our great friends at Park Power who want to remind you the promo code REALTALK23 that's a bundling promo code which means that you're going to save $50 off your first bill on electricity natural gas and internet you can compare rates on all three Uh, there's literally no downside to going with this friendly local utilities provider Uh, But there's a whole bunch of benefits, including their community commitment, 10% of their electricity profits. They give back to nonprofits. You even, when you sign up at parkpower.ca, get to choose which nonprofit is going to benefit from your business with Park Power. We love it. That's the promo code REALTALK23 at parkpower.ca. So I look over during that conversation with Lisha Corbella and and, and uh, real talkers were fired up this morning. Anyway, talking to Lisa Young, we're talking mm-hmm. about politics. These are issues that matter to people. And I look over and you've just got this smirk on your face. I love it. You. This is an engaged audience, my man. Yeah, I feel it, like I feel like our listeners would like it if we maybe activated Super Chat. Yeah. Hey, t- tell me a little bit about this. Remind so me how Super this goes. Chat is is a function on YouTube where if you have a comment and you really want people to see it, you can you can pay a couple bucks and it'll literally come up on the screen. The guests will see it. We'll see it. And we've been thinking about maybe turning on the function. Uh, we don't we don't we're not asking for money. We don't want to you know take people's money. But if you really want someone to see something, clearly people had a lot of questions, a lot of things we didn't get to in that interview because you know we only have so much time. But maybe we should activate the super chat, and if you pay a buck or two, you know Lisa could have saw your comment and maybe responded to. You. Yeah, well, I mean, put it this way: we're always looking for ways that people can better engage mm-hmm. with the show and, and better participate and contribute, and uh, and that includes with our Patreon as well. And we wanted yeah. to let people know you can you can go to the 
connect link at ryanjesperson.com and you can sign up to support the show on Patreon. And you get some some exclusive peeks into things. You get some special messages from me. We're going to be doing some live, some exclusive live streaming events mm-hmm. leading up to the election. And we do have an election party. And we might that's even coming up the Real Talk election party. A little road trip. Patreon maybe supporters are going to be hearing about. Yeah, I can't announce the road trip. We've quite just yet, got a lot of things we're hatching. You yeah. Know? <laughs> uh, Justin says, hang on a second. The province is paying for Grand Prairie's police service. Yeah. He says, I don't want my tax dollars going to that. He says, and I'd also like to talk about the fact that Daniel Smith is using tax dollars to produce campaign materials. Uh, I'll say allegedly on that, Justin, because I don't have the information in front of me. But put it this way. I mean, the province and municipalities pay for RCMP, right? And so, you know, if you look at it in the sense of how it all would work out in the wash, I'm not here to advocate for a Grand Prairie police service over the RCMP. I don't have a vested interest in this. I don't live in Grand Prairie. But if you'd like to learn more about it, you can go back in our archive. It's easy to find. Uh, the headline reads, and you remember this, the counselor didn't like it. Dylan Bressy didn't like it because it says, I think it says no more RCMP was how we had promoted it. But props it. to him for bringing it up. Like, I love that he brought it Literally, before he even started talking, he's like. He was kind of pissed off about yeah, it. Yeah, he I was, like that. Because, well, because then he wanted to make the point. He said, he, he said uh, we don't have a problem with the RCMP. Mm-hmm. He says they've served our community, you know, with. Reputably and loyally for many, many years. He says, This isn't about the RCMP. It's about a localized police service. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point is you can go back in our archive. You can find it, of course, anywhere you get your podcasts or on YouTube as well. And that's where you'll find it. The episode titled No More RCMP. If you want to learn more about the uh, what's going down in Grand Prairie, again, uh, City Council has been looking at that for a number of years. Mayor Clayton tells us about it. The vote was eight to one. Dennis says, I hear nobody who lives there in Grand Prairie wants a city police service, let us know. If you live in GP and you're listening to this right now, send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Hey, you know, Johnny, every Wednesday we have an opportunity to get out to the mountains. We have an opportunity to kind of fill our lungs with fresh air, a reminder, if you will, of what lies in wait out in beautiful Jasper National Park. We call it My Jasper Memories. And it's proudly presented by Tourism Jasper. I'm so excited about the video we get to show here. We'll describe it for those of you on the podcast. We've talked before about the glory that is spring skiing. There's nothing like it, especially out at Marmot Basin. It's one of the greatest resorts uh, in North America, especially when it comes to the spring skiing offering. They've got great powder. They have warmer temperatures. But this weekend, this is so cool. You can combine that with Marmot Basin Ballet. Yeah, that's right. Have you ever heard of ski ballet? I have. You know, this was actually an Olympic sport once. I witnessed it firsthand, Johnny. I as trained a for two years. I was in Calgary in <laughs> 1988 Look at when this. ski ballet debuted. We're seeing some footage from Albertville, France in 1992. Where's their uh, helmet? As the name suggests. I don't think you need a helmet for this. <laughs> don't tell the kids I said that. Always wear a helmet, kids. It's a combination, as the name would suggest, of skiing and ballet. Now, okay, we're seeing some of the best in the world here in this footage, okay? But you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be an Olympic caliber ballet skier to participate at the Basin Ballet event. It's open to everybody. Then there's going to be music and a beer garden and barbecue. And by the way, they're also going to have a midweek season pass for next year that you could win. Uh, prizes will be awarded for creativity and flair oh. and attitude. 
I think of office space every time I hear a flare. This Where's actually your looks, flare? This looks difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's not a joke. No, it's not at all. And I look, I look at, at it. The movement, I mean, consider how quickly you could tear your ACL. I mean, it could happen in an instant. I take back my lackadaisy comments at the start there. This is just, this is, yeah, this you is You know technical. what I'm thinking? For our Patreon supporters, maybe a video of Johnny Infamous trying <laughs> ski ballet skiing for the first time. <laughs> Show up, dress up. And show off your sweetest, most graceful moves on the slopes. It is the Marmots Basin Ballet. You can learn more at jasper.travel or check out skimarmot.com. That's probably your better bet. Skimarmot.com is where you can go to the direct link and learn more about Marmots Basin Ballet. Also wanted to remind you, starting this weekend, I mean, this is an amazing time of year to get out to Jasper. The Jasper Pride and Ski Festival is happening, and this is a party you do not want to miss. Just ask anybody that's been to Jasper Pride in past. They've got a ton of events going on. They've got a ton of reasons for you to visit. And then, of course, a whole lot of reasons to celebrate to 10 days, 35 plus events with more than 40 performers. It goes through till April 23rd. And you can learn more about it at jasperpride.ca. My Jasper Memories presented every Wednesday here on the show by our good friends at Tourism Jasper. Would you be up for it, Ski Ballet? You think you'd be willing to strap on skis and try that out for the amusement and entertainment of our loyal audience? I'll be 100% honest. I've never skied in my life. Oh, really? No, I snowboarded snowboarded since I was like 16, but never put on a pair of skis in my life. I'm sure it's the same. I'm sure it's, you know, I could grasp it pretty quickly because I snowboarded. Well, like I said, since my teenage years, but I've I've never strapped on skis. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our little Wyatt Rudy, he's been taking snowboard lessons for the past couple of years, and he's asked us if he could switch to skiing. Skiing's harder. I know that. That's well, what my friends have told Well, he's been led me. to believe that skiing yeah. is easier. No, it's and not. And so I don't know. Like, snowboarding that. is cake, especially if, if you're a kid, you've ridden a skateboard, you already know how, how kind of the balance goes and yeah. everything, but uh, yeah. yeah. I picked yeah. it up. I remember I picked up snowboarding like the first day I did it. I it said was, to him, yeah. I said, the, the beauty is, is that a little, as a little guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're way more likely to be able to pick something up quickly uh, as opposed to what an adult might try to do, switching over to skiing or snowboarding mm-hmm. in their later years. A great comment from Ken in our live chat says, well, maybe you should take the, the profits of the proceeds from Super Chat and donate them to the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. That's a that. cool idea. That's what I'm saying. It reminds me like to remind not- you, hang on a <laughs> I second, know you know exactly what <laughs> What I'm doing here. I'm pumping the tires of our Real Talk Golf Classic. There's a lot of stuff we got to talk to you about. Hey, check out our new website. Looking pretty sexy. Yeah, looking better here. Hey, refreshed, revamped at ryanjesperson.com. You go to the events link and you click on Real Talk Golf Classic and there you'll find it at the Ranch Golf and Country Club, proudly presented by CWB Wealth. We're so grateful for their partnership. Thursday, June 22nd, you're going to want to take the Friday off. Thursday, June 22nd, it's a 2.15 shotgun start, which means lunch starts at noon. Uh, You can register today by following the link. Again, it's the Real Talk Golf Classic, Thursday, June 22nd. Every single dollar that we raise at this golf tournament is going to the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship, which provides a $5,000 annual support for post-secondary students that have lost a parent to cancer. You can also follow the links on our website to learn more about the scholarship and even to apply. We're always accepting applications. If this is somebody, if this fits the bill, somebody that you know about that could benefit from that scholarship, please don't hesitate to pass that link along. 
If you're interested in volunteering at our Golf Classic or sponsoring it, like our friends at CWB Wealth, you can send us an email to golf at ryanjesperson.com. You know, have you noticed a common theme with a lot of our sponsor mentions today? A lot of them are hiring. This is really great Mm -hmm. for people that have been looking for work. If you're a skilled technologist or technician, if you're a professional engineer looking for a change of pace, maybe you were laid off, or maybe you're comfortably employed, but you're just sick of where you're working or the projects you're working on, check out apexautomation.ca. They are literally always hiring. So why do you want to work for Apex? Well, the team at Apex does things a little bit different. Their quality is superior to their competitors. They invest in labs. You're seeing it right now on screen in their office to test all software and hardware before it's deployed to client sites. That minimizes errors. It eliminates costly delays on site. They bring the clients into their office for days or even weeks to complete testing and training. They've invested in building a shop so their team can stage hardware like robotics and electrical panels. They test their equipment and simulate real-world results. It gives them an unparalleled confidence in custom solutions that they provide for their clients. You can learn more and apply today at apexautomation.ca. Hey, this studio that we work in, this studio was built by the amazing team at Complete Care Restoration. We talk about them a lot, and I always smile when I remind you that this is the only client of ours that has told us to our face, they hope you never have to call them. But listen, if you're in that nightmare situation, fire damage, flood damage, maybe you or your contractor has discovered mold or asbestos in your home, you're going to want to give Complete Care a call. You can find them online at completecarerestoration.ca or give them a call at 780-454-0776. You know, this company was founded in Edmonton 10 years ago. And like all great companies, or at least a lot of them, they started out in a garage and they grew from there. They're locally owned and operated and they work for all the insurance companies. So no matter who is insured by you or no matter rather who you're insured by, Complete Care Restoration is up for the job. Remember them if and when disaster strikes. And a big shout out to our friends at Eden Landscaping as well. I'm excited to show you what's going on in our neck of the woods, literally in our own backyard. Mike and his team, I have a meeting, Johnny, a Zoom call with them tomorrow to go over the final draft of our blueprint for our backyard reinvention. I've been complaining to you for 10 months or so about the state of our backyard. The two (laughs) dogs have just run rampant and we love them and the dogs aren't going anywhere. So the grass is going. We've given our vision to Mike and he's bringing our outdoor space to life. He can do the exact same thing for you. You can check out their portfolio online at landscapeedmonton.ca. That's Eden Landscaping. They get the bones of the yard right. You hand them the keys to the space. They hand them back to you. Say, use and enjoy. A space you can enjoy, work, and grow in. That's Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. Coming up on tomorrow's show, this is great news, they say, for Alberta. It was kind of hidden in the federal budget, but it's a new incentive that has to do with hydrogen. And it could be huge for people working in the energy sector. 
Adam Sweet's going to join us in studio to talk about it. And circle your calendar for Friday. Our Real Talk Roundtable. Two voices, head-to-head. Is Alberta oil ethical or not? We'll see you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive Producer, Josh Dunford. Technical Producer, John Hicks. General Manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.